it's like um, disciplining a child for something because you don't want the child to keep going down that rebellious path because you love the child. It's a loving father that says, I want you to see what sin does so you don't keep going down this path. So we're in a series called The Ministries of Jesus. We're taking it out of Luke 4. Some of you might ask, well, why do we need to do this? When we get saved, don't we get everything? Here's what we get when we get saved. We get Jesus. But we grow in our relationship with the Lord. And then in the very same way, these four, these, these after salvation, this, he, this inner healing, and then this week is freedom, so the title of this message is Freedom, and I'll show you that in Luke 4. But the way we get this is the same way we get saved. We appropriate by faith what Jesus came to do. And so last weekend, all we did was appropriate by faith what Jesus came to do. And that was to heal the brokenhearted or to set at liberty, to set free those who are bruised. So this week, again, let's go back to Luke 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So that's salvation. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That was last week. We called it mending, inner healing or emotional healing. And then this week is to proclaim liberty to the captives. And you need to understand when he says to proclaim liberty to the captives or freedom to those who are in bondage, when Jesus speaks, he creates. That's the way he creates. Just look at Genesis 1. He didn't wave his hand. When he wanted light, he said, let there be light. So when he says, I came to speak freedom over people who are in bondage, in other words, I came to create freedom for people who are in bondage. Now, here's what I've got to do, and I'm going to show you a few more scriptures with only one illustration this week. The reason is I might have to convince you that believers can be in bondage. So when I got saved, I got saved from the penalty of sin. One day, I'm going to go to heaven, and I'll be saved from the presence of sin. No sin. I am now, as I grow and mature in Christ, being saved or set free from the power of sin. Are, are y'all following me? So, um, some of you, when I say a believer can be in bondage, you're thinking, I agree, I don't have a problem you don't have to convince me of that. You can skip to the prayer part, Pastor. I know I'm in bondage, okay? But I just wanna show you scripturally that believers can be in bondage. Now, in John 8, there's a scripture that 99% of believers are, if you've been saved for any amount of time, have heard this scripture or know this scripture. Uh, it says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Have you heard that? The only problem is that we don't know that Jesus was speaking to believers when he said that. 
He was telling believers, you can know or come to know or grow in the truth more and you can get freer and freer and freer through the maturation process of coming to, to grow in your faith in the Lord, all right? So, so I have to show you the verse before to show you that he was speaking to believers. So John 8, verse 31 says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Now stop before we get to verse 32. There were some Jewish people that Jesus spoke to in his, when he was on the earth that did not believe in him. Everyone agree with that? But there were some Jews who believed that he was the Messiah. So I just, again, look at the first part of verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. Okay, so real simple question. Did these Jewish people believe or did they not believe? Did they believe? Does the Bible say they believed? So is he talking to believers? Okay, watch. Verse 32. And you, let me just insert this, believers. Believers, you believers shall know the truth, come to understand the truth more fully, and the truth that you come to understand shall make you free. They answered him, were Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Now, we read right over that, but let's not read over that. Let me say it again slowly and see if you think it's as funny as I think it is. They said, he said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. They said, were Abraham's descendants and have never, <laughs> never been in bondage to anyone. Have y'all ever read the Bible? <laughs> they had been in bondage to everyone. They said that in verse 33, so Jesus wants to make it clear in verse 34. John 8, 34, Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, whoever, all right, stop for a minute, are you a whoever? <laughs> whoever commits sin is in bondage, is a slave of sin. Now, let me explain. This doesn't mean whoever falls or makes a mistake. Again, go to the root of a word, and I can take you to the Greek, but I just want to take you to just to the English. Whoever commits sin. Can I give you another derivative of the word commits? Committed. We get the word committed from commits. Whoever is committed to sinning, to continuing in a sin. This, though, in the Greek, this means practice. Whoever practices or is, co is committed to continuing in a sin, one Greek lexicon says, whoever makes allowances to continue in that sin. Now, according to just using, going back to when I was growing up, I've quit preaching and I've started meddling. Because you know and I know that there have been some sins in our lives 
that we've made allowances to cover up and to stay in those sins. That this is the part of the service where it gets really quiet. (laughs) But it's called bondage. But the good news is that he came to set you free. He came to proclaim liberty to the captives. This is a ministry of Jesus. All right, now, um, if this thing about because I'm a Christian, I can't be in bondage is just ludicrous. It's ludicrous. Um, And again, I'm showing you through Scripture. Well, let me just give you an example, all right? If two men drink too much alcohol, and one's an unbeliever, and one's a believer, but they drink so much, too much, way too much, even though one's, uh, one's an unbeliever, one's a believer, will the believer still get drunk? But he's a believer. See, it's ludicrous. It, if you drink too much and you're weaving all over the road, and you get pulled over for driving under the influence, DUI, when my daughter was taking the, her, her getting ready for her driver's test, Debbie was going over the questions, and she said, what five tests can a police officer give you if he suspects that you're driving under the influence? And she said, ask dad, he knows. <laughs> I quoted the fifth commandment to her, honor your mother and father. So, okay, and I, I, by the way, I didn't know. But anyway, if you get pulled over and the driver said, the officer says, I believe, I think you're driving under the influence, tell him, I can't be under the influence though because I'm a Christian. <laughs> you're under the influence because you, you opened yourself up to that. Listen to me. If a person starts looking at pornography on the internet and you don't think it's going to affect you, you are deceived. You are going to come under the influence. And the same way if a guy drinks too much or a woman drinks too much, but let's just take a guy for a moment, and he he drinks too much and then he does something totally out of character but he does it because he's under the influence. In the very same way, a, a man could start looking at pornography and then one, do, do, then one day do something totally out of the, his character, be a great husband, great father, great grandfather maybe even, and yet do something so out of character because he's now under the influence of a demonic spirit. That's what you need to know. Uh, so let me show you another, another passage and just show you how we know it's a Christian. Uh, Matthew 18, 21, Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Now, I know we think that's a, a really good question. I don't think it was personally. I think Peter was saying, Lord, you keep talking about forgiving people. Um, and I'd just like to know, is it okay with you? If they do it seven times, I forgive them. Eighth time, I beat the snot out of them. Is that okay with you? Just want, just want to clarify this forgiveness thing. When does it end? Jesus said, I don't say to you up to seven, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like. 
Now, is this Jesus talking? Okay, sorry. Let me ask you again. Is this Jesus talking? <laughs> the kingdom is like this. A certain king. Oh, take care. So who would the king be? Jesus, right? Who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Who would his servants be? Believers, right? He wouldn't be talking about unbelievers here. He'd be talking about believers, right? So we're trying to figure out, can believers be in bondage? And when he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, I've seen lots of um, uh, variations of what that would mean. The closest that I've seen that I believe would be $52,800,000. So about 50 million. I know that's small change for some of you, but for the rest of us, that's a little above our budget. One brought who owned him 10,000 pounds, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold or go into bondage with his wife and children and all that he had and payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. Does that not sound like salvation? I forgive you for everything. But that saved person, that person who'd been forgiven by the king, by the master, went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. That's $44. I think Jesus wanted to use these amounts to show here's what it's like when you've been forgiven for everything you've ever done and you won't forgive someone else for one thing. He went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him. Oh, he's going to pray for him. That's good. And took him by the throat. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Saying, pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him. This is a Christian now. Saying, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. But he would not. The Christian, the one who'd been forgiven everything, would not. And threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. In other words, he wouldn't forgive. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved. They came and told their master all that had been done. We know the master is Jesus. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you're a wicked servant, a wicked believer. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry. Now watch this. And delivered him to the torturers, a wonder whom they would represent. Demonic spirits. Until he should pay all that was due him. Now, here's the thing. If it had ended there, you'd say, okay, that's a, that's a good parable. But watching what Jesus said who cannot lie. So, my heavenly Father also will do to you will turn you over to torturers if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespasses. Did Jesus say this? See, we don't want to admit it, but he did. And so now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, so why would a loving father do this to me? Let me tell you why. Because he doesn't want you to keep going down that road. He wants you to be tormented so you'll repent and come back so you don't keep going farther and farther down that road. 
and it's all through the Old Testament. This is all through the Old Testament. Israel would sin and follow other gods, so God would take them into bondage, captivity to another nation, so they would cry out to God and repent, and he could set them free. In other words, it's like um, disciplining a child for something because you don't want the child to keep going down that rebellious path because you love the child. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's a loving father that says, I want you to see what sin does so you don't keep going down this path. Because if you're gonna start looking at pornography, you're gonna get in bondage to lust and eventually you're gonna lose your family and your job and your health and everything. So I'm gonna turn you over now to the tormentors so that you'll say, I don't wanna live like this anymore. Are y'all hearing me? So I got saved at 19. I got saved nine months after Debbie and I got married. I'd grown up in church, but I didn't see a personal relationship with Jesus like I saw in her until we got married. She had something I didn't have, and I knew it, even though I'd grown up in church. And I was very, very immoral in high school and was, got involved in drugs. When I got saved, I don't know why it works this way, but I, I could explain about these two things, but I'm not, I don't have time to do all that. But when I got saved, I was immediately delivered from drugs. Had no desire to ever go back to drugs. But, but I had programmed my mind to see things that it should not have seen. And so I was programmed to think a certain way. And here I was a believer, but I was in bondage. And on, uh, I got saved at 19, on my, when I was on my 20th birthday, uh, the Lord said to me in my quiet time one day, what do you want from me for your birthday? My very first birthday after getting saved. And I never even thought about it. And I thought about something spiritual, a spiritual work I wanted him to do in my life, so I asked him. So every year on my birthday, I asked the Lord for something. You might wanna try it. He's been faithful so far. I've had a few times where I say, nothing comes to my mind, so you surprise me. <laughs> and it's always better than what I could have asked for. But on my 30th birthday, after being saved 11 years, but still, battling with lust to such a degree, I would have said, I am in bondage to this. This is something I don't think I'll ever get free from. On my, right before my 30th birthday, I, this was my prayer. I want to hear you more clearly. That was my prayer. One thing, anything about lust, I was just saying, I want to hear you more clearly. I want to be able to hear you clearly. I went to speak Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at church and be part of a presbytery where we prophesy over people. And Monday morning was my birthday, Monday, okay? So Friday night, we prophesy over people and I'm prophesying like I've never prophesied before. I mean, names, uh, things that happened. This happened when you were eight. This happened when you were 12. This happened when you were 16. I mean, unbelievable. It just... There's no way a person could do this unless the Holy Spirit, you know, tells you these things. It was unbelievable. Even the guys that were ministering with me 
thought I'd gotten resaved or something because they thought, there's just, Robert, you're, you're just not this good, you know. So it was one of those amazing nights. And I was just, and so I thought the Lord's already answering my, my birthday thing to hear God more clearly. That night I couldn't sleep. I start flipping through the channels on the TV and they had just normal movie channels. But late at night, there are things that, you know, are pornographic basically. And I, I watched something that I shouldn't have watched, and I knew it. And the next day when I talked to Debbie, we had come to the place in our marriage that I could confess to her. And I said, I did this. I wanted you to know. I feel horrible, da-da-da. Saturday night, I couldn't hear God at all. I'd gone from Friday night hearing God clearly to Saturday night hearing God at all. Now, listen to me. God wasn't punishing me, but he was actually doing something to show me when you persist in this, it's going to affect other areas of your life. You need to know that. Sunday morning, I thought, Lord, I, may, I think I should call in sick because I'm not gonna be able to hear you. I already know that. I don't know what to do to get right with you. I, I was already right by grace, but something was being affected in my life. Anyway, Sunday morning, where there are three of us ministering and there was an older presbyter with us, the one that I told you prayed help uh, a few weeks ago. And he said, I don't think we're supposed to minister to people prophetically this morning. I, I have a message God told me to preach. And I remember thinking, praise the Lord. <laughs> and he got up and he preached on the sin that so easily besets us. And from the first words out of his, life, his mouth, I knew he was talking about something that in my life had been a stronghold since I was 14 years old. And he began to preach and he said, what we don't understand is that this sin that we persist in, every time the Bible says we're not tempted beyond what we can, we can bear. So every time we yield to it, we're stiff-arming the Holy Spirit. And then he said, in just a matter of a few hours, we ask the Holy Spirit to use us. And yet in this area of our lives, we stiff-arm him. So he said, the Lord told me that he'll set you free today if you'll humble yourself. And I thought, I'm, I'm gonna... I'm going to do that. I'm going to get free finally. And he said, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to come to the altar. And I thought, you know what, Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm one of the ministers, you know. And then I had this thought. They'll probably just think that I'm not reading my Bible enough <laughs> or praying enough. You know, they won't think it's lust, you know. And then this pastor who's speaking said, and I'm not talking about just not praying or reading your Bible enough. <laughs> he said, I'm talking about that you are in bondage to a vile and a dirty, shameful sin. <laughs> but I remember thinking, I'll be, I'll be the first one there. So when he gave the invitation, I was the first one. And the Lord touched me 
Monday, remember, was my birthday. And I've been asking God to, so that I could hear him more clearly. Monday morning, when I opened my eyes, the Lord said to me, happy birthday. He said, you see, son, I had to remove what was blocking you from having that pure relationship with me. And I remember him saying to me, I've set you free. Don't ever go back that way again. And that's 30 years ago. It doesn't mean that you don't work on it, that you don't get tempted, that you don't have to press in, that you don't continue to grow. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I've not had any battles since then. I'm saying there was a demonic bondage in my life that Jesus proclaimed liberty over me. This is amazing, isn't it? When you think about it, that Jesus came not just to save us for eternity, but he can save us on this earth. He said, I came to proclaim liberty to the captives. And I've been in bondage. I've had areas of my life that I've said to the Lord, I'll never do that again, and then I do it again. And yet I've also had many areas of my life where now I have victory because of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not watching today by accident. You know that. And you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. So I want you just to take a moment and submit that area that you have not been able to control to the only one who can control that area, who can set you free in that area of bondage. Just take a moment and submit it to him. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. I want you to join us next time because I'm going to continue this series, The Ministries of Jesus. Jesus' time on earth was characterized by ministering to people. His examples of ministry point to the love, forgiveness, healing, and peace that come directly from the Father's heart. In Pastor Robert's powerful new series, The Ministries of Jesus, you'll discover amazing truths you may never have known about salvation, inner healing, deliverance, healing, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. For your best gift today, we'll send you this series on CD or as an audio digital download and include the Where to Find Favorite Bible Verses Reference Guide with hundreds of Bible verses organized by topic. For your gift of $85 or more, we'll include the He Loves You So devotional with an inspirational word, prayer, and declaration for each day. And for your gift of $125 or more, we'll send you the Faith, Hope, and Love Blanket, along with a filament Bible. This large print Bible includes access to a revolutionary app that easily works with your smartphone or tablet and connects every page of the Bible to a vast array of study content. While you can use this Bible without the app, you wouldn't want to miss out on the free access to over 25,000 study notes, more than 350 videos, 1,500 devotionals, and interactive maps, infographics, and a library of worship music. Don't wait another day to get these very special resources and discover God's Word like never before. Visit us today at PastorRobert.com to get a copy for you and someone you love. Thank you for your generous prayer and financial support of Pastor Robert Morris Ministries.
we've made it even easier for you to connect with us here at the all-new PastorRobert.com. You can watch or listen to current and previous episodes of our program. Shop in our online store with enhanced security and access a free weekly devotional. We hope that these features will help you find exactly what you need to continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord. To learn more, visit us at PastorRobert.com.